welcome to the Keenan Yoga podcast, bringing you the stories of many people who in various ways are attempting to walk the path of yoga. Our intention is to inspire your own practice and commitment to yoga beyond the mat and in all areas of life. We consider this an offering, a service to the community and labour of love. If you feel inclined, any donations are appreciated, just visit our page and click the donate button at www.keenonyoga.co.uk forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Today's guest on the Kieran Yoga podcast is Harmony Slater. Harmony is one of the few women, and only two in Canada, to have received the accolade of certification by Sharat Joyce in 2015. As a child, she spent many years training to become a ballet dancer. Whilst trying to gain control over an often overwhelming time of negative thoughts and emotions, even depression, she says, I longed for a deeper connection to something beyond myself. While studying philosophy and religion at university and further troubled by panic attacks and anxiety, she finally sought out yoga as a way to reconnect with her body and put into practice what she'd learned in class as a theory. Making her first trip to Mysore in 2004, she practiced under the direct guidance of Sri K. Patabi Joyce. She's continued to return annually. Then, in the same year, she moved to Thailand and began learning pranayama directly from Sri O.P. Tawari, who at that time was the head of the well-esteemed Kavalidama Institute based in Mumbai, India. She's been practicing pranayama as well as ashtanga ever since, for the last 20 years. Harmony is a mother of a teenage son and lives with her husband in Calgary, Canada, as well as teaching internationally. She's known for her warmth and relatability, as well as her precise and knowledgeable instruction, not only on yoga asana, but in her love of Indian philosophy. You can find Harmony on her Instagram at harmonyslateryoga or through her website at www.harmonyslater.com. Today is my first guest to the podcast, Keenan Yoga podcast, Harmony Slater. I actually have it here in your intro that you you uh you trained in ballet but what what how much like what um well I started in ballet lessons when I was three years old as you do and then uh carried on until I was I guess 18 I kind of transferred 18 19 I transferred a bit more into like modern dance by the end but then just completely right had enough stopped it then yeah sounds different pastimes (laughs) <laughs> yes yes it like, was a pastime that was all consuming so yes yeah, right yeah. <laughs> I do the same with martial arts and then it comes to kind of you know adolescence and then other things take over you know you start to go other yeah, kind of pastimes start to distract yeah yeah the thing was is it kind of it took over my adolescence so I, right right I, uh, yeah it was a very serious pursuit but nevertheless you kind of well positioned then to to kind of teach their yoga, you know, on the mind level and the body level, you know, you've done something very physical and then, you know, also have that background in the mental. So. Yeah. yeah, it was very helpful that way. I think in that, um, I had like a lifetime of, of using my body and also training my body in a certain way. And once you have that discipline of how to train your body and that, habit and that patterning and that even that mind-body connection um I think those neural networks are there and so uh, when you mm. start practicing yoga it's 
it's very familiar, even though it's quite different. I think the practice comes a lot quicker in some mm. ways because mm. you've already created these neural networks between the mind and the body. And they're, I mean, very strong if you've been doing it for your whole life, basically. Seems an obvious question, but how does that differ from the practice of yoga? When you started the physical practice of yoga, what, how did that feel different to ballet? Or was it physically different to ballet? I mean, it was, it's very physically different. I mean, everything in ballet is turning out and it's kind of actually using your body in a very unnatural way. Mm. Um, it's not really I think that's kind of the, the way idea. that, yeah, it's mm. meant to look like mm. very mm. amazing. And, mm. and, um, and so it's in, in some ways when you start practicing yoga, it really um, feels unnatural, even though you're starting to use your body in a more natural range of motion. Um, but it's not what you're used to mm. when you've been dancing. And for me, I actually took a couple of years off with dancing, um, you know, and, and before I started practicing yoga, which was kind of helpful because it's sort of like cleared the the patterns a little bit yeah the slide a little you forgot all the old stuff and then you had a chance to get you know did you yeah. start the degree at that point were you um, was that the time? yeah i i i after i quit dancing i worked at a bank for a couple of years and then went and started doing um my university studies and it was when i was in university that i started to practice ashtanga yoga so. mm. yeah what got you into the, the physical yoga from the kind of textbook? What was the the kind of uh, the slide into that? Like, why why did you need why did you feel the need for that, or did it just come naturally from the ballet? Yeah, well, that was sort of interesting because I had I had had this physical practice of of ballet of dancing, and then I completely like rejected that and just stopped like cold pretty much mm. and um and then went into this like full-time job um I was only like 17 at the time and then yeah. um went into university after that and did you always plan to, to go to uni or did you did did you feel like the bank wasn't it or you know did you not really you I was really like anti um uh, I guess establishment <laughs> and right. institutional <laughs> education at that yeah. point, not because I didn't do well in school. I did very well in school, but I just didn't believe in institutionalized education that it was helpful or, um, you know, mm. really that, that interesting. Um, so then I wanted to just work and, and see what that was like. But then after a couple of years of that, I really realized like, oh, this is sort of a, a dead end kind of thing. <laughs> and I feel like I'm, I'm kind of fading here and it's not super challenging and it's not, I'm not really interested in this and I can't do this for the next, you know, 40 or 50 years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then I, I said, okay, I'm, I'll go back to, you know, I'll go to university, not back to, but I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. go to university and see what that's like. So, and then my first year, my first semester, I took a, a class in philosophy and I'd been interested in philosophy. I'd been, you know, reading um, sort of Descartes and 
um, some different like early uh, Western philosophers. And I was really engaged in the subject and thought this is really interesting. I like this kind of writing. I like this kind of thinking. These are really um, a different way of learning, a different way of thinking about life. And so then my first year, my first semester, I, I took a philosophy class and it was the most amazing experience because the teacher, um, his name was Charlie Martin. He's passed now, but he was this incredible uh, philosopher and, and man, he was very old. He was like, I don't know, he's really old. I mean, he looked like he was in his 90s to me, but he's probably like in his 70s. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he, uh, the first, like in one of the first classes, he started talking about the experience of the infinite and um, walking through a field and running his hand along uh, the, the wheat and looking out and seeing the infinite and time and, and how there's an infinite number of seconds between, or an infinite number of milliseconds between one and two mm. and how you can penetrate that, that infinity between like within a second, you know, and how infinity is in, in everything. And I mean, he had me, that was, that was it. I was like, wow, this, this is real. This is, this is what university is about. Right. I just want to do more of this. I just want to study infinity. (laughs) How did the yoga come from there? How did the physical practice of yoga come from the, the, you know, that kind of idea in the mental sphere, you know? Yeah. As well, I did the same thing. And, you know, I kind of didn't, I I kind of got to a point, I suppose I didn't find it adequate. You know, it felt like a mental gymnastics and there was something else that, that I wasn't touching that, that was left uncovered, you know, and, you know, that, that I, I really, you know, I chucked that away, in fact, and I just went to the philosophy, you know, in the end. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, I mean, yeah. that's sort of the thing is, is you get into it and then at some point you just realize, like, I'm just kind of playing games with words a little bit and I'm just, mm. I'm, I'm. That was my feeling, of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, constructing <laughs> a reality that doesn't really exist. And also I'm just like, I, I, you know, I used to call it like, logic. Yeah. yeah, I used to call it yeah. like mental masturbation. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. just like <laughs> sitting does around it, like. Yeah. Does it make you happier? Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. the bottom line. It's like, if you're going to think, you may as well use it to make you happier, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. surely, that, surely that's and the, the aim of, of thinking. You know? Totally. And yeah. And I was looking at a lot of the professors that I was learning from and, you know, the majority weren't, like you say, they weren't any happier. Mm. And in what fact, a lot it? of them yeah. were was quite like withdrawn yeah. and really yeah, well, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does tend to do that thinking, you know, <laughs> a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like yeah. a little bit, right. you know, a little yeah. bit not really like socially connecting with people. So when um, you found the yoga, did you? Did you start it, you know, and was it really a calling for you or did you, you know, how was your trajectory with that? Did you take it up every day straight away or get it, you know, how did you find it when you first discovered the physical? I started to feel a bit like I was going crazy. Like you say, you're just like using these words and these thoughts and like you're debating things in your head Mm -hmm. to make these arguments to come up with a conclusion like, okay, you know, free will versus determinism. Like let's look at all the arguments Mm -hmm. and the points and the counter arguments. And and so um, 
I started to feel a little bit like I was kind of losing my mind a bit. Yeah, I, and... I mean, I, I ended up in therapy. And when I got there, I said, oh, you know, I'm really sorry, you know, like to take up your time. She said, don't worry, you and the rest of the philosophy, you know, <laughs> guys are all yeah. here, you know, you're all here together, right? So then I just started thinking, you know, is this, this this way the right way? If I'm trying to be happier in life, then, you know, like I'm not seemingly doing the right thing here, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it's sort of, I mean... I don't know that I really entered philosophy to be happier. I just was really excited about exploring um, theoretical ideas and mm. looking at how they impact reality. But this, this sense that like, yeah, you're kind of like so immersed in the mind that you're like disconnecting from everything else, or maybe even like the higher intellect in these abstract ideas in this jnana, you know, you're so immersed in it that like you're yeah. kind of losing mm -hmm. connection with your energy, with your body, with your certainly, if emotions. Not happy, certainly, it's going to be more unhappy. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so by, by yeah, I started, I said to my mom, I said, I think I need to go into therapy. I'm like, I really feel like I'm like having a lot of anxiety and mm -hmm. I'm having a lot of like, you know. Right. Okay. Feelings that I like, mm. like I'm losing mm. my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's not and, unusual, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So and then I my think. mom, you know, she said, "Well, listen, you're you're just like studying and you're reading and you're thinking all the time." And she goes, "You've been a very physical person your whole life. You've been a dancer. You're not in your body anymore. Why don't you go mm -hmm. do some yoga?" You know. Yes. Yeah. My mom flippantly saying, "Go do some yoga." <laughs> And I had done a little bit of yoga in the past, you know, she, first she was like, go take a dance class. I said, I don't want to dance anymore. I, I, right. yeah. I don't, it's why, not, why not an enjoyable pastime right. for me anymore. <laughs> right. It was too stressful, the dance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I tried to do Tai Chi, you know, it just, it coincided yeah. with the big drinking night. So I never did Tai Chi, you know, because I didn't want to miss that drinks night, you know, so ended yeah, up in right. the yoga class because it was a free night. Right? Yeah. But I knew I had to do something physical with it, you know, like. That, yeah. was a, that was that was a certain a certain exactly. thing I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I said, okay, well, I'll go try some yoga. You know, I'd I'd been like you said introduced to this before and done a little bit of practice, and especially in conjunction with modern dance, we used to use yoga a lot um, within the class, and so. And I, I used to run a little bit, like do some sun salutations and some like really? yoga stretching. You know after. what to expect. I mean, for me, I mean, for, for us here yeah. in the UK, it was when I started, it was still very exotic, you know, like I think people would sit in, if you mentioned yoga, they would sit in Padmasana with yeah. their hands and, 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 and say it's something about incense sticks, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was kind of lucky because of this dance background and this, um, this modern dance instructor that I had been practicing with, she was really into yoga. And I mean, was actually Ashtanga yoga, but I didn't, I had no idea yeah, at the from, time. From, from the get-go. Wow. That, that's, <laughs> or some kind of yeah, like tower yoga right, or okay. like, yeah, yeah. yeah, some kind of yoga based on Ashtanga. So mm. I didn't know this because I didn't know, really understand about different types of yoga yeah, or anything. Yeah. But um, so this idea of sun salutations, we used to use sun salutations to warm up before modern dance class all the time. And wow. Yeah, so it was very interesting. Um, you used to. You had a head start. You had a yeah. bit of a head start. Yeah. <laughs> been doing it since you were three, so. Yeah. <laughs> so once I, uh, once I went to like the full-on sort of yoga class at that time, 
I think it was like an Ashtanga based class. There was really only two studios in the city. You could either do Iyengar, you could do this. Yeah, you know, they called that, it. that was my experience in the end. Yeah, you had yeah. Iyengar or you had Ashtanga and it's like, well, kind of Ashtanga. You know, like, you're not over 40 at the time. So, you know, you can't really do Iyengar. So you have to, yeah. they kind of kicked me out. Like you're too young and fit for this Iyengar. You'd go into the Ashtanga, you know. Yeah. I didn't exactly. want to leave at the time. I wouldn't have stayed with the end guy. I liked it. But, you know, yeah. They, they really <laughs> felt I should do something different. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I couldn't still in the postures. <laughs> couldn't stay yeah. in the postures long enough. I was restless. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll tie you up. So, no, no worries. Yeah. You can just like hang out there tied up. <laughs> but yeah, I felt as soon as I had that first experience of the yoga and the breathing and the moving and the like, really like, like a full hour and a half or hour. I forget how long the class was, but it was like the longest I'd ever done just yoga for. Um, I just felt incredible at the end. I felt so embodied. I felt like my whole body coming to life, like every cell, every, I felt this energy. It was just incredible. And I walked out of there. I felt taller. I felt cleaner. I felt lighter. It was so visceral. It was so experiential. Mm. that I was like, holy crap, this really works. And so I just kept wanting more. I just kept saying, okay, I'm just going to go do that because mm. I feel amazing mm. and my mind feels so clear and I feel so like, just like I can, I can do philosophy and not even think. It just comes to me. It's like mm. I'm all of a sudden, like it just opened everything up and and I mean, at the same time, I was also uh, really interested in Buddhist studies and religious studies and, um, and Eastern religion, especially. And so I'd been doing like a little bit of meditation and following the breath um, and this kind of uh, practice, more seated practice. Um, but it was, it was amazing. The Ashtanga practice for me was so, um, you know, gripping because it felt like it was taking these two things um, like the philosophy, but then also like the meditation and it was like bringing it into the body. So you could really feel directly this movement of energy and it wasn't just imaginary and it wasn't just like following That's, the breath yeah. and still mm. having your mind be like going crazy. <laughs> mm. How, I mean, uh, that, that leads on to another question I really wanted to ask you, which is how do you yeah. find that the, your philosophy background influenced yeah. the physical practice of yoga um yeah I mean, some people don't do any philosophy and they, you know they have an experience of yoga and is it necessary we you know like you heard that a lot of people uh, are encouraged to read the philosophy what would you say I mean, how how does it help or hinder it maybe it can you know too many yeah. ideas yeah <laughs> it can yeah. be both helpful and yeah. hinder hindering <laughs> <laughs> right um yeah. I mean, I don't think you need to study the philosophy if you don't have a real interest in it. I don't think you need to force yourself to have an interest in it. Mm. Um, but I do think that the more you practice, the more you're kind of interested in at least um, focusing on things of a higher nature. I think it kind of comes intrinsically. You know, maybe not everybody connects to um, Eastern philosophy but you know mm. maybe it's like reading your bible and all of a sudden things are making more sense to you or the quran or 
even just like, I don't know, some kind of, you know, Wayne to hire or some kind mm. of like, you know, positive thinking Byron mm. Katie or Eckhart yeah. Tolle, or I don't know. I think you naturally start to get interested in yeah. spirituality. It's a pull, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that is helpful. I think, I think it's yeah. helpful to the practice to kind of get a sense because a lot of what these teachers are teaching, even, you know, new teachers or modern teachers, um, you know, it's based on Eastern philosophy. It's based mm. on Buddhism. It's based mm. on uh, yoga. It's it's all of the philosophy, but put into terms or words that maybe are more accessible or understandable to um, where we're at right now mm. in, in, you know, 2020. Um, so I think it naturally kind of happens the more you practice that you're drawn to to understanding and reading and relating to these things. Um, you know, even listening to podcasts or, um, mm. you know, listening to other yoga teachers talking, you sort mm. of are like, Oh, that's interesting. And it makes you think about these things. Um, but it can also be, like you said, it can be sometimes a hindrance because, You've got I a lot of ideas so. about what you want to be doing or where you're going with it. Yes. Yeah. Students can get really like kind of hungry and caught up. And I, I, I get some, yeah. this because yeah. I, I was there too, where you're really like, like the goal is enlightenment mm. and I really mm. want to get to enlightenment. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like creating a whole hunger desire kind of mm. cycle within you of like you're trying to rush to get to this goal of enlightenment, like you think everything's going to be perfect and and wonderful when you reach this goal. And I think that that in itself makes, like kind of sets you further away from where you want to be. It's sort of the antithesis of the yoga because mm. there really isn't a goal or an end point to the practice. The practice like the experience is inherent or embedded within the practice itself. And so it kind of like makes you go further away from actually experiencing yoga when you feel like that there's this goal that you have to reach and attain. You know? Yeah. I think that's the, that's really the, you know, in my experience, the pitfall of the Ashtanga sequence for some people, because it kind of draws them forward as if there's some kind of carrot at the end of this or when they get to advanced or get to, you know, and deeper, more seemingly kind of, you know, progressed yoga postures that that functions as some kind of progressing that they should be aiming for, you know? Uh, what do you, what do you think about that? Elder? You know, yeah, how, do you, sure. how do you, dis, how do you, how do you discourage people chasing that, that, you know, <laughs> that sense of progress or development in a linear way that the Ashtanga can, you know, can, can easily fall into being construed as. Yeah. I mean, I think it's helpful in some ways. It's helpful to have this, uh, drive this focus, especially at the beginning, because it's hard enough to kind of get up and, and do a yoga practice every day. Yeah. So in some ways, it, again, it's helpful to have this, this, um, you know, carrot or this sort of this goal, whether it's, you know, Marichyasana D or Karandavasana or, you yeah. know, fourth series, whatever it is that's well, like getting you do, up. Yeah, they, they tend to move the goalposts, right? I mean, yeah, it keeps moving, <laughs> it keeps getting further. First, you're just grateful you've, you know, completed a sun salutation, then, you know, yeah. worrying about four <laughs> series before you know it, you know, bad luck. Yeah, it's a bit like a video game that way, you know, yeah. you get like these little uh, prizes and then, but it keeps like, keeps you in the game, which I think ultimately is helpful for to grow yeah. the practice and the experience of yoga. But um, 
it does become kind of an obstacle in itself if you don't realize at some point that the postures and the practice are really a tool for the experience of what's going on internally. But in order to focus on the experience of, of the internal yoga, you kind of have to get a little bit further into the external yoga usually in order for right. the mind to kind of be able to sink deeper into uh, the experience of it, of now, of, of your body, of mm. yourself, of your energy, right? Because at the beginning, your mind's just like thinking, thinking, thinking. And so, it, I mean, it's sort of a gradual You always just encourage evolution. someone to carry on, right? You're, I mean, yeah. yeah, like, is there any other way? If you can see it, I can think of many people that, you know, they're impetuous to, to get something more out of the yoga, you know, and so, you know, yeah. in terms of advancement and, and you know, it, and if you have that tendency in your mind and a lot of people that are attracted to that, they're very driven people. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, is there anything that you could think to say to, to help people focus on something else or in the experience itself, maybe, or some, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't, I think, you know, just keep trying to bring people's experience back to, to the present to what mm. where they are at and what they're experiencing i mean you can't really rush the process if you stay in it you know 20 years 30 years eventually you get tired out yeah <laughs> you realize like what am i doing this for yeah yeah <laughs> this is never gonna end yeah. i'm never yeah. gonna reach the end of fourth series yeah. or fifth yeah. series or sixth series or whatever there's always there's mm. always more so so what's the point? And I think when you get to that place and sometimes it happens sooner for people or later, yeah, and you start asking like, yeah, yeah, what's yeah, the yeah. point? Yeah. Yeah. It and that's pushes a good you point. in. Yeah. That's a good yeah. place to reach. I mean, you know, it's a great it, it place was to bad reach. luck. If, you know, like I think both of us, it took a long time to kind of reach that point of, you know, just kind of realizing yeah. that this, you know, yeah. That's yeah. A point I think it, I mean, it definitely takes the pressure off. I asked myself that question a lot. I mean, a lot of different periods along the way. Because I'm not really, um, you know, I was never really one that was like super um, caught up in the asana in a way. Like I enjoyed the asana and yeah, for some, you know, I had little goals for sure, asana goals. But for me, the practice was always the effect that it had on my mind and like my physiology, mm -hmm. it wasn't really like, oh, I'm just practicing to get to this next asana. It was really like the overall impact that I was feeling from the practice. Um, and so, you know, it was not, it's never been something that like I wake up and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to practice. I'm so excited to practice. I mean, that's to me was like actually a very rare day when I woke yeah. up and was like, yeah. yeah, I can't wait to practice. <laughs> for me it was always like oh god i gotta do this thing again <laughs> why <laughs> so always what like having to like remind myself yeah. why i do this yeah. thing <laughs> it's yeah. like keeps me connected to what was the reminding in, uh, involved like what was the, i mean i mean you can't experience you can't describe that experience exactly but i mean what what is it that you felt that you said you got something out of it like that what was and can you describe that at all? How you, just like, how you feel I mean, it? How you describe it? Yeah, the effects of like when I would take like a like the moon day or my lady's holiday or the days when I wouldn't practice, especially early on, I really felt it. I really felt like super like 
dark and kind of depressed right. and mm. moody or irritable, or I feel like these negative kind of emotions and tendencies very strongly. And so it kind of reinforced why I was doing the practice and wanting to continue practicing. Right. I was like, I almost like was uh, not wanting to take a day off because I didn't want to have that, mm. that mm. experience. Mm. Um, but I think those experiences are really good because they also remind you why, why yeah. you practice, you know? <laughs> so it's mm. helpful to have those experiences too. So I'm, I always encourage people to take days off now and again, because I think right. it's, it's an important um, feeling to have. And also it's important to also notice like, Oh, I feel okay. This is good. I mean, you know, it's not necessarily that you're going to you mm. feel, feel terrible, but just not to become dependent on the practice. Well, this is kind of a fine line as well, isn't it? To kind of listen to your body because, you know, people say, you know, they can say that and you kind of think, well, that just sounds like laziness, you know, <laughs> or they can say that and you kind of think, well, yeah, like then like, you really do need to have a bit of a rest and do something else, you know I mean? Yeah. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because obviously we have a practice which is quite demanding and it's quite prescriptive that you, you know, you need to practice at least regularly. But then on the other hand, sometimes, you know, it may be better to have a rest or just go out for a walk instead, you know, or do something mm -hmm. else, you know, otherwise you, you get trapped and addicted to this thing in order to get a certain feeling or just, you know, a yeah. certain value for yourself or something, you know? Totally. And that's the thing. I mean, I mean, what's all, what's all addictions, right? Wanting to repeat an experience that uh, has created a pleasant feeling for you. And so after the yoga, you have a very pleasant feeling and you want to recreate that feeling. And so you become addicted to the practice mm. I mean, mm. the same way you become addicted to anything, honestly. I mean, mm. it's yeah, it's a healthy addiction, but it's still an attachment, mm. a craving um, to some sort of experience or feeling that's a pleasant uh, outcome. And so then, yeah. I mean, I guess the real practice for me always uh, has shown up when you don't get that feeling at the end, you know, what happens when you're injured or you just feel terrible. And even after you practice, you still feel pretty bad, you know, maybe you feel a little bit better, but mostly mm. still pretty shitty. <laughs> and so it's like, like then that's when the real test comes of why are you practicing? What are you getting out of this? Because it's, you can't just be chasing that pleasant feeling all the time. And that's actually not what the yoga is about. It's not about so when you making have those feelings, a blissful, what, what, pleasant yeah. feeling. Yeah. What did you say to yourself? What's the worst thing? You know, what did, I mean, a lot of people, you know, do say that. Like, you know, I'm not really getting anything out of this anymore. It's just causing me pain. Uh, yeah. And, you know, obviously it's kind of our job to encourage that there is something that can still be gathered, even though on a daily level it might not always be pleasant. Uh, how how would you answer that question? I mean, I think it's at those times that you have to go in a little deeper and you have to also change the way that you're practicing. So especially, you know, if you're sick or injured or have some chronic pain or chronic fatigue or whatever is the, the obstacle, you know, you have to, I think it's, it's helpful to go way back and just pull the practice way back. Cause often sometimes these things come up from that 
that push, you know, trying to push too much, trying to do too much, trying to mm-hmm. get to the next thing. It's like a pattern and, and eventually it breaks and you break yourself in some way. And mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to then go right back and just, just do sun salutations, you know, maybe even just do sun salutations with like, like Cobra or cat mm-hmm. and cow or do slow it right down and make it about the breath and the connection of the breath and the body and get into feeling the subtle sensation of the prana moving and do way less, like way right. less, like just sun but, salutations. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's obviously going to be a, like a, a hot topic for listeners about injury. What mm-hmm. to do, you know, if you're injured, because this, this does tend to come up, you know, I mean, and it's not just obviously, you know, with Ashtanga yoga, but it's a dynamic form of movement. So, you know, yeah. it can easily happen here. If you move the body, and then you're prone at some point to get injured, even yeah. if you're not a pusher. Um, yeah. and, and how, how do you, you know, I mean, if, if someone's dealing with injuries right now or, you know, that, or what, what, what advice could you give them there? Yeah. I mean, anytime you do something physical and a strong is very physical, you're, you know, you're liable to injure something even, right. you know, mm-hmm. accidentally. <laughs> um, you know, I think for me, I think when, when you're dealing with the injury, like I said, I, I like to step way back and just, you know, do uh, what I can. <laughs> and it depends what the injury is, right? Some injuries aren't so bad. Some yeah, are okay. Yeah. You can do a lot. <laughs> um, but then just, you know, I, I always just modify what, what you can, can modify and, you know, you carry can either, on. there's, yeah, you can carry on or you can step it way back and just do a little bit and then gradually build the practice back up. And there's, so what do you there's have nothing. a knee thing? I mean, say like, I mean, a lot of people get the, you know, the knee stuff going mm-hmm. on with it, like with Ashtanga, it's demanding a lot of lotus work. And yeah. can you, would, what would you say? I mean, what's your perspective on li- leaving out what you can do and continuing with what you, you know, you can do and leaving out what you can't? Or would you just say, if you can't do, then stop, you know, just do some yeah. temptations? So what, what's your feeling on that? I mean, it, I feel like it's a little bit of a personal, it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit of a personal yeah. um, choice and preference. Uh, you know, I think, I think modifying, there's lots of ways you can modify these asanas that aren't going to aggravate or irritate the injury or the problem. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately if it's like a huge problem, you can leave out the ones that are causing you problems. If it's only on one side, I always say you should do the other side that isn't causing you problems. Yeah. Right. Right. Because, you know, our body's intelligent and, and it communicates. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, if if one side's healthy, it's going to inform the other side, what it needs to do to be healthy. And this happens unconsciously. It's not like, you know, but our cells communicate all the time. So Mm. we're giving ourselves the example of like, oh, this is what health is like. Then the side that's injured or experiencing pain or obstacle will also experience directly, oh, this is what health is like. This is Mm. what a full range of motion is like. Right. Mm. And so all of a sudden that does something. It changes your... Right. your mind it changes your body it changes mm. your energy things start to heal because it's experiencing healing in a certain way if you're just like oh i'm injured so i'm not going to do anything or i'm going to mm. limit the other side to like 
mirror the injure side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's often the question, right? Like, yeah, now yeah. you're like just uh, right. reinforcing limitation, injury, mm-hmm. obstacle, rather mm-hmm. than reinforcing like health and healing and fullness, right? So right. It's, for me, it's always about what what are you trying to pattern into your body and. Mm-hmm. I mean, also accept the reality. The reality is I can't, you know, I've sprained my ankle. I can't do Marichiasana B on this side, but I'm going to, I'm going to take it to where I can take it. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to see mm-hmm. where, it, where it can go each day without right. causing re-injury mm-hmm. or aggravating the area. And then I'm going to do it normally on the other side. And maybe I'll modify this, the side that's injured a little bit. Maybe I'll put my foot on the floor. Um, mm. but slowly, I mean, after days and months, things do recover. Right. Yeah. I mean, kind of moving, moving along with that, like how has you, you know, how have you found that your teaching has ad- adapted or has that come, would, did you always have that perspective or did you adapt that looking at the students or can you say something, you know, I'm not the really interesting thing is having done it for so long now, taught for so many years, practiced yeah. for so many years. How have you found the change in your practice and teaching? I mean, that's a really fascinating yeah, thing th- for someone that's done it so long. I think I used to be, I mean, I kind of went through a period where I was much more orthodox when I was younger. I was more, not, I mean, I think I always had this idea about, you know, not uh, putting obstacles in your own path, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that part hasn't really changed, but. Uh, definitely, I was much more like strict with students, and I think also when you're young, you don't uh, understand the full the impact of aging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, people would say, "Yeah, I just don't recover as well," and you're like, "Yeah, okay." But all of a sudden, you know, twenty years later, you're like, oh, yeah, it's it. really yeah, true, like, actually." Yeah. <laughs> like you don't recover as quickly. Yeah as your body's aging usually and and also so then you really don't want to injure yourself on top of it i mean when you're 20 you if you injure yourself you know you recover pretty quickly actually it's not usually such a big yeah, problem for sure yeah 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 <laughs> but in your 40s 50s 60s you know you really it's just not worth it you know you want to function in your life and you want to feel good in your day-to-day life yeah and, who cares if you can catch your ankles in a back bend? Like that's not usually why you're practicing at this point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I think definitely my teaching has you changed. You present it in a different way. Would yeah. you say you present it in a different way then? Like rather than kind of like towing the I've, line or, you know. Yeah, I really try and teach to the student that's in front of me right. and get an idea of what what their goals are with the practice and definitely also, um, you know, take in a lot of factors like what's their health, what's their age, you know, is this, uh, is this like, are they practicing the yoga cause they really want to go deep with the method and teach the mm. practice or are they just practicing right. the yoga cause they want to feel better in their day to day living and, and have like, you know, a better range of motion in their joints or, you know, it's, I think you have to teach to people's just realistic. Um, yeah. Motivation. Yeah, like not everyone's going to have the same motivation of like, yeah, I want to, you know, practice advanced series. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
But if, if you are, if you're keen, if you're young and you're keen and you're hungry, then I mean, I'm going to, pretty map. strict. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. But you know, uh, not everyone is that way. And so yeah, I like to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as it was originally said, you know, yoga is for everyone. You know, yeah, and uh, you know it should be available to everyone, regardless of age. You know, yeah, and I don't mind like I don't mind people modifying things too if they're if they're um, you know, even if they are the lazy person, they can still practice. (laughs) They can they they just need to be coached a little bit, you know, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, well, you can't be so lazy that you don't get out of bed. That's the (laughs) that's the main thing. And how do you how do you still get out of bed and do it? You know how do yeah. you, how do you how to make how to motivate yourself now after all I these mean, years? I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think for me, it's so much a part of of uh, who I am, and like the feeling that it's it's important to have a spiritual practice, not just a physical practice, but to have the pranayama, to have some meditation, to have that connection in that space. I mean, that's also probably like one of the challenges too, is life is very busy and there's a lot of responsibilities and mm. pressures. Um, and so you feel like you don't have maybe the time as much, or I feel like I don't have the time as much, especially, mm. you know, when I was younger, sometimes I had three or four hours a day, I could just practice yoga. Yeah. <laughs> And now I have maybe like one hour, two hours, I can practice yoga. <laughs> so um, people so, often say like, do you do, I mean, can, what's your feelings on the short form kind of thing? Because um, people often say, is there a short form I can do to, to I want to do these postures here? Like you must hear that a lot, you know, I want to do these postures, but do I have to do the whole thing to get to them? What, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, my, I always say, you know, in Yoga Mala, Patavi Joyce says that if you need to, uh, if you don't have the time, you can skip the asanas, but keep them in the order that they right. come in. And right. so I actually, um, I think short forms is fine. <laughs> but the thing is, if you're doing short forms every day, then right. you need to look at like, what is it in your life that's creating such a... Um, constraint time constraint yeah and also are you choosing short forms because you're avoiding the ones you don't like right so Mm. always for me if i'm doing like a short form practice i try to do the ones that i don't like versus Mm. the ones that i do like maybe (laughs) i'll add in like one that i i really love and i'm just like i can't live without this one but i do the ones that are hard that that I'm like, Oh, this is so terrible. But uh, those are the ones I make myself do. Cause I feel like those are usually the ones that you need the most that are mm. actually going to give you the most benefit because they're not the easy ones. The easy ones, your body's already open that way. It's already like happy to do that mo- range of motion. Um, but the ones that feel tight and awkward and disgusting, I mean, those are the ones that that are not in your natural range of motion that you actually really need to create that balance, right. you know, physically, I mean, talking, emotionally, yeah. mentally, like mm-hmm. all of that, it's all connected. And so there's a, right. a resistance to that area. And so I like to always tell people they should do the ones, you know, like for sure do a couple you like, but make sure you do the ones that are the hard ones for you. If you're right. going to, if you're going to do the short forms. Mm. How, I mean, is that perspective developed more recently? I mean, how has your perspective 
to the yoga changed? I mean, surely when you got into it, first of all, you're more goal orientated with it. And, you know, now you're yeah. talking in a very different kind of way about, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about being goal oriented with the asana practice is I think you realize pretty, pretty fast that if you want to advance in the asana practice, you have to do the stuff you don't like. Right. So because right. it's creating those, mm. you know, there's a limitation there somehow. So, um, you know, I was I was always somebody who uh, my personality is such that if I come up against, you know, an obstacle or something that's difficult, I tend to kind of like uh, go through it with full force. Right. I'm right. Not, not Does that change now? You, you think that's changed? I mean, because I mean, as yeah, you were saying, like, like, <laughs> you, you know, as you get older, like that doesn't really work that well anymore, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, think I think for sure I've definitely kind of, learned to like chill yeah. out and like yeah. relax with it. But it's, I mean, I think you kind of have like a, a base characteristic mm. or nature or personality. And mm. You tend to confront obstacles in your life in a very similar way. Yeah. So when mm. you come up against something that's, you know, a, a problem, you're either like, okay, I'm just going to go for this and deal with it and go full force. And we're just going to like get it done. Or you're like, yeah, maybe I'm just not going to look at that for a while. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think you tend to have a pattern, a tendency that is yeah. more natural to your personality. Um, and so for me, it was always like, you know, like quite the go getter, I would kind of go full force into something. So when if it's something I'm afraid of or something that whatever it is, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it, you know, rather than like backing away. And I think these days it's like the, the Ashtanga yoga is definitely, I think our demographic has gotten a bit older in terms of who's practicing, right? Because, well, I don't know. I think that the younger ones are more into the, you know, the flow and the, you know, the Ashtanga is kind of traditional and it seems like the students that I'm teaching anyways are older and they can't look for development in the same ways, right? They can't look for that yeah. physical development. And, you know, indeed I can't, and maybe you can't, I don't know. Um, so where are we looking for <laughs> development now? What would you say about, um, you know, uh, developing the practice? Because as a human being, I think we have that tendency to, to not want to plateau, that we want to, you know, even mm -hmm. if progress is internal, what is it now yeah. that you're looking for? what do you call development now and how do you encourage someone you know in developing when they you can't they can't see any more physical development possible and maybe it's not you know maybe it is which is okay yeah i think i mean yeah it's interesting it, you know i think rather than the the breadth of the practice or looking at doing more and more asanas um you know development is more about like cultivating a depth in the ones that you are doing um so whether that's going more internal, uh, taking the focus deeper, um, more focus on the breath, maybe even moving more into like an ability to sit and be still and move into a place of contemplation or meditation, mm. um, more pranayama, you know, these types of things, you know, it's not so much about the, the length of the practice. I don't think anymore. Um, but it's really about how deep can you go with the time right. that you have. Right. And I mean, isn't that life, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would you say about the pranayama? Would you, would you encourage everyone to get into that straight away? Or is there a certain, I mean, often I'm getting asked for people quite early, early days, you know, 
They wanted yeah. to put Franny arms. What, what do you think about that? I mean, it was traditionally said they would make you go crazy, you know, like don't do them <laughs> yeah, yeah. too early, you know, you'll go crazy. Um, do you think they're beneficial to introduce early on in the practice or is there a benchmark of student that you say that now to start the pranayamas? Well, for me, I, I mean, I had a different teacher for pranayama. I did do actually was fortunate to learn pranayama from Patabi Joyce as well in 2007. Um, but the way that Patabi Joyce taught pranayama was very intense. It was very long holds, very difficult holds, a lot of, um, I mean, you really had to have a good control of, of Mula Bandha, mm. um, and mind control. So, mm. you know, for him, uh, and the way he taught pranayama, I understand why he would say that you really shouldn't attempt pranayama until you were into advanced series because it was, you know, it was kind of like getting punched in the face. It was really, right. really intense, really long. Demanding. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, neurologically demanding. And yeah. I mean, in my mind, I actually started practicing pranayama with Sri Opitwari of the Kvalyadam mm. Institute in Lanavala. And I started practicing in 2004 with him. Mm. Um, and their approach to pranayama is quite different. Uh, they grow the practice very, very slowly. So at the beginning, you're not even holding the breath. You're just inhaling, exhaling for double, inhaling, exhaling for double. And they right. follow a very uh, traditional um, type mm. of pranayama lineage from the Hatha Pradipika. Mm. Yeah, and it's safe right. for anyone. You don't right. need to do these long, mm. intense holds to make pranayama valuable. Yeah. You yeah. really just need to extend the exhalation and then. So do you teach that straight away now? I mean, do you teach that with all students? I do. Or? Yeah. Right, right. Along <laughs> with the asana, very, you teach them. The pranayama. Yeah, very introductory pranayama. I think it's super helpful. And I think it actually helps your asana practice also. Right. And I suppose like kind of like branching out from there, maybe one last question I really wanted to ask Mm. you was about the Ayurveda. I know you're really into Ayurveda. I don't (laughs) know what, you know, how much study you've done with it, but uh, how do you bring that into the practice? Um, I used to be like really, yeah, yeah, I used to be really into Ayurveda when I was uh, younger and I first was getting into yoga. I was like, oh, I really wanted to go deep and study Ayurveda. And so I I took a lot, um, some distance courses and have done a lot of reading um, on the Ayurveda. But Mm. now I'm not so um, obsessed with it, (laughs) but I do think that it's it's helpful, you know, because it's it goes with the yoga philosophy and that it looks at the qualities of the gunas of like the rajas, the uh, sattva and the tamas. And then it also looks at the doshas, right? And it looks at these elements, these Mm. five elements uh, that Sankhya philosophy describes the Mm. earth, space, water, fire, and um, what did I miss? Air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Space, <laughs> air, yeah. fire, water, and earth. I said them in a funny way at the beginning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so looking at these five elements, you know, it's it's patterned the universe. And it says, okay, air and space always come together because air needs the space to move in. Right. Uh, fire and water always show up together, especially mm. in the human being, because mm. um Fire needs to be tapered by the water. So we have things like digestion or hormones. Um, 
you know, in our body that's creating this fire, this transformation, but it needs to also have this mm. little bit of water connected with it. So mm. we have these two qualities right. or elements coming together. Does it and inform then, yoga practice? The a little bit. Yeah. 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 And then you have like the kapha, like the earth and the water and they, you know, show up together. And so we have all five elements within our body Mm. And depending on what elements are more predominant is going to create different characteristics in the body, different states um, arising Mm. in your body or uh, personalities even. So somebody who has a lot of air and space might be a little bit more brittle, a little bit more stiff, uh, Mm. you know, their joints more cracking, things like this. Someone who has more earth and water are going to be more supple, um, more flexible, maybe a little mm. rounder in shape, mm. more fuller figured, um, softer body. Right. So when you kind of understand these connections of these elements, you can understand people's bodies a little bit right. better and also I- kind of look at how they might be going a little bit out of balance mm. and, you know, make suggestions to help them be more in balance. Okay. And how, I mean, do you use, I know a lot of people are really interested in yoga of food, you know, how you use food and uh, to help and support your yoga practice. I mean, do you use Ayurvedic principles in food or like what do you do with your diet? Um, a little bit. I use them a little bit now. I used to be really into, you know, (laughs) yeah, only having sattvic food and really following Ayurveda, but, um, I'm much more of the, you know, mindset now that you kind of need to really pay attention to what's working for you. And, you know, no matter what your dosha is, I mean, if you're kava or if, you know, maybe you're vata dosha, but you're, um, you know, gluten and lactose intolerant. I mean, (laughs) Mm, you can't, you can't, Mm. you know, uh, bring about balance by Mm. drinking more milk and eating Mm. wheat you know, it's yeah. not going to work for you. Right. Mm. So I think you really have to look at what is working for you and, mm. um, and yeah. Mm. And what, what makes you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good. And then when you pay attention to those things, I think it really helps inform, um, how you eat, but you have to have that awareness, like trying to mm. bring that awareness into every aspect of your life, you know, mm. Like, how is this thing that I'm doing affecting me? And Do you think your diet's evolved? Do you, would you say your, your approach to eating's evolved? And you said when you were young, you had some difficulties with the food. And, and yeah. you know, and then like, how does the practice help or hinder that? And have you evolved with the food? Because a lot of people do, especially these days, like it's a really important topic. I've written a lot about it and, you know, and, and struggling yeah. with the food. And you can easily use the practice to endorse or, or negate mm-hmm. that, you know. Yeah, food is a, I mean, the food affects the practice in a big way, in a Mm. big way. (laughs) Um, You know, but, and again, it's, it's helpful and it's harmful. Mm. (laughs) So always, you know, our ability to use these things is going to aid us or it's going to create problems. And it's not always one way, you know, when I was dancing, I, I had a lot of food issues. I mean, people 
you know, I tell people, yeah, I was, you know, I was vegan and vegetarian when I was 15 years old. And people are like, what? And I was like, I mean, when you're anorexic, you (laughs) know what, what not to eat, you know, (laughs) which is pretty much everything except, you know, raw vegetables. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it's, for me, it's, um, it's changed a lot, you know, and then I went through a period where I was, you know, really trying to be sattvic and I was eating a lot of dairy and that wasn't really that great for me because, um, you know, I never grew up drinking milk. I don't really like milk, (laughs) but you know, when you go to India, they tell you, Mm. okay, milk's a yoga food. Mm. You should drink a lot of milk and have Mm. a lot of ghee and so you start having a lot of ghee and milk and um and so yeah it's evolved and then i kind of was came came into my own was like okay i don't want to have the milk and the ghee anymore um but i've also gone through periods where i've just said screw it i'm just going to eat whatever i want right. whenever i want <laughs> i don't care <laughs> and i think that's also helpful because you know when you're really obsessed with the yeah. pack you have to advancing your practice yeah, yeah. you can get you can very get real, rigid and yeah. yeah yeah real rigid and real heady yeah. about this yeah. stuff. and we've seen it's, that with a lot you know there's there's a lot of that out there you know yeah um, and it creates yeah. an unhealthy eating pattern i think right. for a lot of people and i don't think that it's 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 not the yoga that's the thing becomes kind of not, punitive the whole thing becomes yeah. some kind of self-punishing system again and i think we kind of yeah. tend towards that you know that's part of human nature and it's easily yeah. tapped into maybe do you yeah. use any practice? I mean, what about now? Like, I mean, have you got any practical principles that you, you know on diet that you use that you you kind of try and adhere to that you know influence yeah, the way you think about it? Probably for me. I mean, now I'm I'm taking a a vegan diet since the beginning of the year. <laughs> um, before I've I've been vegetarian pretty much for many many years, twenty years, um, but. I, at the beginning of the year, I said, okay, I'm going to not have any, uh, uh, dairy anymore. Cause it was really the dairy that I was, I was right. eating still the cheese and the pizza, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, <tempting>. yeah <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, that really actually, it was amazing how much that changed. And also, um, I've, I've, uh, you know, cut way back my I like to have a glass of wine every now and then so I cut that way 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 back and that's also changed made a big significant change but I think the main principles I would say is um not eating too late at night that's a that's a killer and you know what I still do it you know, just cause the day gets away from me and all of a sudden it's 7 PM or 7 30. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, I got to eat. I'm going to have dinner. <laughs> mm. And I wake up the next day and I feel terrible. Right. <laughs> I'm like, why, mm. why did I eat so late again? You try and eat um, in the day, like a main meal in the daytime. Trying, yeah, like, I tried it. I mean, if I could have dinner by 5 p.m. or around right, 5 okay, p.m., okay, 5.30 at the yeah. latest. And then usually, um, you know, I kind of do an intermittent fast. Um, <laughs> I find it helpful. I don't, I've never been a big breakfast person. I don't really like fruit. I don't really like, you know, so for me, it wasn't really a problem to skip out on breakfast. And so I usually from dinner, 
um, after dinner, I do a fast until, you know, maybe 11 a.m., noon, something like that. So it's usually, I would say, like 16 hours. Yeah. And you find that works. Yeah. For me, it right works. Now. Yeah. Because yeah, also, right I mean, now. diet, I guess, is evolving as well, right? Like, it yeah. never stays the same. And you have, I guess, you have to be okay with that too, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'll still, I'll still drink a coffee and I'll still have some tea and fluids, but I'm, um, yeah, I like to have sort of a, uh, uh, either a main meal in the afternoon or just like a small snack and then a main meal later in the day. Yeah. Like around dinner time. Okay. Um, so I kind of have a main meal and then I'll just have like a few little snacks. (laughs) Um, but yeah, for it's confusing. Me, and I think for everyone, it's like you, everyone wants a rule and everyone's different and they yeah. kind of have to find their own rules. Right. Like, so it's good yeah, to you, hear other people's information, but then I think, you know, like someone hearing yeah. you say that could then say, well, that, you know, that's worked for her and she seemed to be doing well on that. And then I'll do that. And then it doesn't work for them. And, you know, because also age yeah. is a big difference and what you're doing in life is different and, you know, all kinds yeah, of Yeah. And I would stuff. Say that I'm not super rigid with it either. Yeah. So you know, That's if like, yeah. if one day I'm like super hungry in the morning, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna have some toast or I'll I'll feed myself. You know, I'm not gonna yeah. be like, no, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's it's just kind of what comes natural to my own body cycles and digestive cycles that I found, and it's yeah. actually been something that that's gone on for quite a while for me because. I think, as you know, like when you're in Mysore, I mean, you kind of stop eating by the time it gets dark, which is sure, 5 yeah, or 6 yeah, p.m. Yeah. And so then, worried about practicing well the next day. Yeah, yeah, and then you're practicing yeah. so early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you don't want a full stomach early in yeah. the morning. And then yeah. you get up, you practice, and then you go home. Maybe you have a little nap if you're lucky and you don't have a child with you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then by then you get up and then maybe it's like nine or 10 a.m. And you've you've had already like so many hours of fasting and then you go for breakfast. Mm, mm. <laughs> but even in India, breakfast is kind of like lunch by that point because you were up at like 2 a.m. in the yeah. morning. So <laughs> After a few hours of chat with people and <laughs> ends up kind of breakfast, lunch and yeah. And then dinner, yeah. you know, or no dinner. Yeah. 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 Or no okay. dinner. Okay. <laughs> and time is escaping us and just let, yeah. let me just give you a uh, you know you don't have to um try and answer these at the top of the head don't think okay, about them too okay. much I'll do so it's not quick fire but what what would you say your your goals my goals yeah could you say one or two goals just yeah no. well i think my yeah. goals <laughs> are um my goals are to make time for myself every day. Okay. I think that's my number one goal is to to fit my practice in and to keep right. creating space to okay. connect more deeply. Right. Uh, and looking back, what what, do you, what would you say is the accomplishment? Uh, great, my um, greatest accomplishment. <laughs> my greatest accomplishment. <laughs> um, I think I'm I'm in the middle of my greatest accomplishment, which is trying to uh, raise my son. <laughs> Okay. It's not yet accomplished. It's, it's a work in progress. It's <laughs> a work in progress. Uh, finally, something you might have done differently had you had uh, hindsight. Oh, wow. Something I might have done differently. Hmm. Yeah. 
Gosh, that's a tough one. Maybe I would have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe I would have uh, gone to graduate school and become a a professor. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's been amazing having you. Um, Thank you. And thanks so much okay. for your time. I'm sure people will be really, uh, really interested to hear this. And uh, can anyone uh, find out? Uh, what you're doing yeah. this year? Like, where where can they find you? Yeah, where can where can, you can find me at home? <laughs> <laughs> right, <Stop> isolating. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, come to my website at harmonyslater.com or harmonyashtanga.com. You can get there. Both URLs work. Um, you can catch me on Instagram, Harmony Slater Yoga. I think something like that. <laughs> Probably, yeah, I feel and, like find uh, you. Yeah, and, and okay. um, I'm doing a, a lot of online courses. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing online classes right now, and hopefully I'll be traveling again. Um, uh, yeah, let's hope that. Later in the year. Yeah, so otherwise, yeah, yeah, virtual connection for now. But yeah, um, yeah, I but totally come to my website, people. and uh, no. yeah, you can find me there. Sign up. I'll I'll let you know what's going on. Mm-hmm.